0: CHAPTER Eleven OF THE LIFE OF REV. HENRY MARTIN BY JOHN HALL This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Persian version of the New Testament, being now nearly finished, Mr. Martin, with his native assistant, commenced the translation of the Psalms of David into Persian from the Hebrew. From his diary in the beginning of 1812, it appears that he was not satisfied with his Persian New Testament the last has been in some respects a memorable year i have been led by what i reason to consider as the particular providence of god to this place and have undertaken an important work which has gone on without material interruption and is now nearly finished i like to find myself employed usefully in a way i did not expect or foresee especially if my own will is in any degree crossed by the work unexpectedly assigned me as there is then reason to believe that God is acting. The present year will probably be a perilous one, but my life is of little consequence, whether I live to finish the Persian New Testament or do not. I look back with pity and shame upon my former self, and on the importance I then attach to my life and labor. The more I see of my own works, the more I am ashamed of them. Coarseness and clumsiness mark all the works of man— I am sick when I look at man and his wisdom and his doings, and am relieved only by reflecting that we have a city whose builder and maker is God. The least of his works it is refreshing to look at. A dried leaf or a straw makes me feel myself in good company. Complacency and admiration take place of disgust. I compared, with pain, our Persian translation with the original to say nothing of the precision and elegance of the sacred text, its perspicuity is that which sets at defiance all attempts to equal it. But the more he read and studied the sacred scriptures, the stronger attachment he felt towards them, and so far from becoming tired of them, from having them so constantly in his hands, he used to turn to them for comfort in all his sorrows. February 2nd. From what I suffer in this city... I can understand the feelings of Lot. The face of the poor Russian appears to me like the face of an angel, because he does not tell lies. Heaven will be heaven, because there will not be one liar there. The word of God is more precious to me at this time than I ever remember it to have been, and of all the promises in it, none is more sweet to me than this. He shall reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. February 3rd a packet arrived from india without a single letter for me it was some disappointment to me but let me be satisfied with my god and if i cannot have the comfort of hearing from my friends let me return with thankfulness to his word which is a treasure of which none envy me the possession and where i can find what will more than compensate for the loss of earthly enjoyments resignation to the will of god is a lesson which i must learn and which I trust he is teaching me." In the earlier part of his life, he felt a great increase of spiritual feeling and enjoyment, in consequence of having, for a time, scarcely any other book to read than the Bible. Mr. Martin was sometimes encouraged to believe that the constant perusal of the scriptures had made a serious impression on the mind of Mirza Said Ali, his assistant in translation. He was evidently interested in his employment, and even went so far as to acknowledge his belief in christ as the son of god and to express his willingness to trust in him for salvation and make a public profession of his faith but his conduct at other times manifested that he had only a belief in these truths as facts and that he did not really submit himself to god by faith and repentance His candor was evinced in a confession which he made, on a point on which the natural disposition of his countrymen inclines them to be very perverse. He had been boasting of the humility and simplicity of his sect, the Sufis, upon which Mr. Martin remarked that if he was really humble, he would not dispute so boldly as he did, but would be like a child. Upon hearing this he did not speak, except to acknowledge, "'True, I have no humility,' and afterwards in a tone of distress said the truth is we are in a state of compound ignorance ignorant yet ignorant of our ignorance when their translation was finished mr martin remarked mirza sa'id ali never now argues against the truth nor makes any remarks but of a serious kind he speaks of his dislike to some of the sufis on account of their falsehood and drunken habits this approach to the love of morality is the best sign of a change for the better which I have yet seen in him. As often as he produces the New Testament, which he always does when any of his friends come, his brother and cousin ridicule him, but he tells them that, supposing no other benefit to have been derived, it is certainly something better to have gained all this information about the religion of Christians than to have loitered away the year in the garden." the persian new testament was completed in february eighteen twelve and the psalms in march and on the twenty fourth of may mr martin left shiraz in company with an english clergyman for the purpose of presenting a written copy of the testament to the king of persia who was encamped between shiraz and tabriz Before he left Shiraz, he maintained the doctrine that Christ was God and the Creator before a large company of mullahs in the palace of one of the princes. On arriving at the camp about the ninth of June, he waited on the prime minister to learn how he should be able to lay the book before the king. The minister detained him two hours in a debate respecting the Christian religion, mixed as usual with ridiculous opinions on all subjects. At the house of the vizier, some days afterwards, he was attacked on the same subject, before a large company. Towards the close of the discussion the vizier told him, "'You had better say, God is God, and Mohammed is the prophet of God.' Mr. Martin at once replied, "'God is God, and Jesus is the Son of God,' which excited their anger, and they left him with great contempt. "'Thus,' said he, "'I walked away alone to my tent.' to pass the rest of the day in heat and dirt what have i done though i to merit all this scorn nothing i trust but bearing testimony to jesus i thought over these things in prayer and my troubled heart found that peace which christ hath promised to his disciples The vizier, having sent him word that no Englishman could be permitted to see the king, unless presented by an English ambassador, or having a letter of introduction from him, Mr. Martin proceeded towards Tabriz, his residence, in company with the English clergyman, and some natives, for servants and guides. Tabriz, or Taurus, is in the northern part of Persia, seven hundred miles from Shiraz, and at least twenty-five hundred from Calcutta as I sat down in the dust on a shady side of a walled village by which we passed, and surveyed the plains over which our road lay, I sighed at the thought of my dear friends in India and England, of the vast regions I must traverse before I can get to either, and of the various and unexpected hindrances which present themselves to my going forward. I comfort myself with the hope that my God has something for me to do by thus delaying my departure. They met with much insulting treatment on the road, especially from the various officers and servants of the king who had possession of the best accommodations, and seemed to delight in an opportunity of ill-treating Europeans. On the twenty-fifth of June they were both seized with fever and unable to proceed. They were afraid they would be unable to procure food and lodging as their money failed, and no one would lend to them until a poor mule-driver became security for them. His journal is little else than a detail of sufferings. He appears to have joined a caravan of travellers going the same route. We had now eaten nothing for two days. My mind was much disordered from headache and giddiness, from which I was seldom free, but my heart, I trust, was with Christ and his saints. To live much longer in this world of sickness and pain seemed no way desirable, the most favourite prospects of my heart seemed very poor and childish, and cheerfully would I have engaged them all for the unfading inheritance. June twenty seventh. My Armenian servant was attacked in the same way. The rest did not get me the things I wanted, so that I passed the third day in the same exhausted state. My head, too, was tortured with shocking pains, such as, together with the horror I felt at being exposed to the sun, showed me plainly to what to ascribe my sickness. Towards evening, two more of our servants were attacked in the same way, and lay groaning from pains in the head. June 28th. All were much recovered, but in the afternoon I again relapsed during a high fever mr c read to me in bed the epistle of the ephesians and i never felt the consolations of that divine revelation of mysteries more sensibly and solemnly rain in the night prevented our setting off june twenty ninth my ague and fever returned with such a headache that i was almost frantic again and again i said to myself let patience have her perfect work and kept pleading the promises, "'When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee,' etc., and the Lord did not withhold his presence. I endeavored to repel all the disordered thoughts that the fever occasioned, and to keep in mind that all was friendly, a friendly Lord presiding, and nothing exercising me but what would show itself at last friendly,' A violent perspiration at last relieved the acute pain in my head, and my heart rejoiced. But as soon as that was over, the exhaustion it occasioned added to the fatigue from the pain, left me in as low a state of depression as ever I was in. I seemed about to sink into a long, fainting fit, and I almost wished it. But at this moment, a little after midnight, I was summoned to mount my horse and set out rather dead than alive. We had a thunderstorm with hail. July 1st. A long and tiresome march to Sarahund. In twenty-eight miles there was no village. They had nothing to sell but buttermilk and bread. But a servant of Abbas Mirza, happening to be at the same caravan sent us some flesh of a mountain cow, which he had shot the day before, All day I had scarcely the right recollection of myself from the violence of the ague. July 2nd At two in the morning we set out. I hardly know when I have been so disordered. I had little or no recollection of things, and what I did remember at times of happy scenes in India or England served only to embitter my present situation. Soon, after removing into the air... I was seized with a violent ague, and in this state I went on till sunrise. At fourteen miles we found a fine caravansera, apparently very little used, as the grass was growing in the court. There was nothing all round but the barren rocks, which generally roughen the country before the mountain rears its height. Such an edifice, in such a situation, was cheering. Soon after we came to a river, "'over which was a high bridge. "'I sat down in the shade under it with two camel-drivers. "'The caravan, as it happened, forded the river "'and passed on without my perceiving it. "'Mr. C., seeing no signs of me, returned, "'and after looking about for some time, "'espied my horse grazing. "'He concluded immediately that the horse had flung me "'from the bridge into the river "'and was almost ready to give me up for lost.' MY SPEEDY APPEARANCE FROM UNDER THE BRIDGE RELIEVED HIS TERROR AND ANXIETY. THE PASS WAS A MERE NOTHING TO THOSE AT BUSHIRE. IN FACT, IT WAS NO PART OF THE MOUNTAIN WE CLIMBED, BUT ONLY A FEW HILLS. IN A NATURAL OPENING IN THE MOUNTAINS, ON THE OTHER SIDE, WAS A RIVER, WITH MOST OF ITS BED DRY, AND OVER IT A BRIDGE OF MANY ARCHES, WHICH LED US TO AN UNWALLED VILLAGE, SURROUNDED BY CORNFIELDS, WHICH WE REACHED AT TEN O'CLOCK. Half the people still continue ill, for myself, I am, through God's infinite mercy, recovering. July 3rd. Started at three, full three hours after we ought, and, as was to be expected, we all got ill again, from being exposed to the sun six hours, for we did not get to our ground, Turkoman, till eleven o'clock. It was a poor village among the hills over which our whole way lay from mianu ascending one and descending another was the whole of the variety so that i do not know when we have had a more tiresome day july fourth i so far prevailed as to get the caravan into motion at midnight lost our way in the night but arriving at a village were set right again at eight came to kilk caravansera but not stopping there, went on to a village, where we arrived at half-past nine. The baggage not coming up till long after, we got no breakfast till one o'clock. In consequence of all these things, want of sleep, want of refreshment, and exposure to the sun, I was presently in a high fever, which raged so furiously all the day that I was nearly delirious, and it was some time before I could get the right recollection of myself." I almost despaired, and do now, of getting alive through this unfortunate journey. Last night I felt remarkably well, calm and composed, and sat reflecting on my heavenly rest, with more sweetness of soul, abstraction from the world, and solemn views of God than I have had for a long time. Oh, for such sacred hours! This short and painful life would scarcely be felt, could I live thus at heaven's gate. It being impossible to continue my journey in my present state, and one of the servants also being so ill that he could not move with safety, we determined to halt one day at the village, and sent on a messenger to Sir Gore Owsley, the ambassador, who was at Tabriz, informing him of our approach. July 5th. Slept all day and at sunrise prepared to proceed all the way to Tabriz, or at least to Seidabad. But we did not set out till one in the morning. I was again dreadfully disordered, with headache and fever. We got into a wretched hovel, where the raging fever almost deprived me of reason. In the cool of the evening we set out to go to Seidabad, distant about twelve miles. When the caravan arrived near Cytobod, It was a dark night about eleven o'clock and not one of the party knew where it was nor could we discover it by the barking of the dogs the usual sign once we heard the bark and made sure of having attained our object but found only some shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night these boars showed us which road to take which we soon found ended in nothing so returning we tried to induce one of them to serve as a guide with the promise of any sum of money he required, but all in vain. The only thing that remained to be done was to lie down on the spot and wait patiently for the day, which I did, and caught such a cold as, with all our other exposures, consummated my disorders. As soon as it was day, we found our way to the village where Dr. Blank was waiting for us. Not being able to stay for us, he went on to Debris's and we as far as Wasmuck, where he promised to procure for us a fine upper room furnished, but when we arrived they denied that there was any such place. At last, after an hour's threatening, we got admittance to it. An hour before break of day I left it, in hopes of reaching to before sunrise. Some of the people seemed to feel compassion for me, and asked me if I was not very ill— At last I reached the gate, and feebly asked for a man to show me the way to the ambassadors. At Tabriz he was confined two months by a fever, from which he did not expect to recover. He wrote to a friend, "'We who are in Jesus have the privilege of viewing life and death as nearly the same, since both are ours.' And I thank, a gracious Lord, that sickness never came at a time when I was more free from apparent reasons for living. Nothing, seemingly, remains for me to do but to follow the rest of my family to the tomb. The New Testament, which he was thus prevented from giving in person to the Persian monarch, was, after Mr. Martin's death, presented by the ambassador, and the king acknowledged the gift in the following letter in the name of the almighty god whose glory is most excellent it is our august command that the dignified and excellent our trusty faithful and loyal well-wisher sir gore ausley baronet his britannic majesty's ambassador extraordinary after being honoured and exalted with the expressions of our highest regard and consideration should know that the copy of the gospel which was translated into persian by the learned exertions of the late rev henry martin and which has been presented to us by your excellency on the part of the high dignified learned and enlightened society of christians united for the purpose of spreading abroad the holy books of the religion of jesus upon whom and upon all prophets be peace and blessings has reached us and has proved highly acceptable to our august mind in truth through the learned and unremitting exertions of the reverend henry martin it has been translated in a style most befitting sacred books that is in an easy and simple diction formerly the four evangelists matthew mark luke and john were known in persia but now the whole of the new testament is completed in a most excellent manner and this circumstance has been an additional source of pleasure to our enlightened and august mind. Even the four evangelists, which were known in this country, had never been before explained in so clear and luminous a manner. We therefore have been particularly delighted with this copious and complete translation. Please the most merciful God, we shall command the select servants who are admitted to our presence to read to us the above-mentioned book, from the beginning to the end that we may in the most minute manner hear and comprehend its contents your excellency will be pleased to rejoice the hearts of the above-mentioned dignified learned and enlightened society note, the british and foreign bible society end note, with assurances of our highest regard and approbation and to inform those excellent individuals, who are so virtuously engaged in disseminating and making known the true meaning and intent of the Holy Gospel, and other points in sacred books, that they are deservedly honored with our royal favor. Your Excellency must consider yourself as bound to fulfill this royal request. The ambassador afterwards took the translation to St. Petersburg in Russia, where it was printed. End of chapter 11